Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. Violent protests break out in Brazil over the weekend following President Lula da Silva's inauguration. Hundreds were arrested in connection with the breach and attack of government buildings. A new report says the IRS is going after low-income individuals much more than they're going after wealthier people. Some say it's because the agency is suffering from a lack of manpower. 31,000 voter cards sent to non-citizens in Colorado. The election integrity watchdog known as PILF is investigating. Meanwhile, Maricopa County announces its own inquiry into election day mishaps. Public schools taking action against big tech. Seattle schools sue tech giants and New York City schools ban students from using an AI chat box. An update on the protests in Brazil. Over 400 people have been arrested after government buildings were breached and attacked over the weekend. Those include the country's Congress, Supreme Court, and Presidential Palace in the capital of Brasilia. It comes a week after President Lula da Silva was inaugurated. We hear some analysis on the timing and condemnations of the violence. Joining us now to discuss is Marcos Chatkas, the editor-in-chief of the Epic Times Portuguese. He joins us from Brazil. It's great to have you with us today, Marcos. Thank you for having me. The protests in Brazil over what Bolsonaro supporters say was a rigged election seemed peaceful before the new year. What do you think may have caused this outbreak of violence? Now, I've talked to some of the protest organizers yesterday and today early morning, and what they tell me is that um, people have possibly been infiltrated there from left-wing movements. They've quoted the National Union of Students, UNI and Antifa. Now, that's not what most mainstream press have been reporting. And um, even if people are not infiltrated, I think a sense of hopelessness um, has probably kicked into the protesters after President Jair Bolsonaro went to the U.S. and um, the armed forces, the military, which they placed a lot of hope on, uh, didn't act um, in any way to perhaps first investigate the election. Speaking of the protesters themselves, in the aftermath, arrests have been made, but some protesters seem unwilling to back down. What might happen now, and what does this mean for Brazil politically? It's a very tense situation for Brazil right now. In the aftermath um, of the breach of the government buildings, Lula has um, basically given himself extraordinary powers in the federal district region, the region of Brasilia. What basically this means is that the public security apparatus of that region um, has extraordinary powers to act in the sense of perhaps making arrests or using extraordinary financial resources. And a man has been named um, the sort of commander-in-chief of his operation in Brasilia, and that man is directly linked to the Communist Party of Brazil. So we're about eight days into the administration, and we already have a situation where Lula, who has authoritarian inclinations, and friends, including Nicolás Maduro in Venezuela, and Daniel Ortega in Nicaragua, has extraordinary, extraordinary power to act. And it's a very, very tense situation. I don't know where it is going, and um, I mean, the possibility of repression seems real um, right now. Very tense situation, and thanks for outlining the steps that Lula has taken here. And in terms of vandalism, international leaders have condemned it. How might this affect Brazil and the Lula administration internationally going forward? Most of the coverage I've seen in foreign press um, basically is quoting the protesters as vandals. And I think even rightfully so from the images we have seen, we still don't know, we still don't have more information about who it was that did this. 
Law enforcement is working to try to identify these people. I think people will probably um, try to condemn President Jair Bolsonaro in one way or another for what happened, even though he himself has condemned violence and has um, kept mum since he lost the election mostly. And I think internationally to probably get Brazil into a situation where international leaders support Lula and try to um, basically suppress um, or disenfranchise the local right wing as extremists. And speaking of other countries and former President Jair Bolsonaro condemning the violence, President Biden condemned the violence as well and called it an assault on democracy. Democrats have likened it to the January 6th Capitol breach and have called for Jair Bolsonaro, who condemned the violence himself, to be thrown out of Florida. What is your reaction to this? There are par parallels to be made with January 6th, and I think especially in the way left wing has reacted in the U.S., and I think we are likely to see a similar reaction in the Brazilian a left wing trying to get President Bolsonaro associated to the vandalism and trying to indict him or get him to be unable to run for office in 2026. Thank you for outlining those parallels there. Marco Chatkes, editor-in-chief of the Epic Times Portuguese, great to have your analysis. Thank you for having me, Kevin. A new report says the IRS continues targeting low-income earners with more audits than high-earning individuals. It's believed the agency does that due to a lack of manpower. Meanwhile, newly elected House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says cutting back planned funding for the IRS is the first thing he'll try to do. Here's more. A recent report by Syracuse University says the IRS is continuing to audit more low-income groups than billionaires and millionaires. During fiscal year 2022, the rate of income tax audits per 1,000 individuals reportedly stood at 12.7 for the lowest income wage earners and 2.3 for everyone else. This made low income wage earners the taxpayer class with by far the highest audit rates, clocking around five and a half times more than everyone else. The report gives a possible explanation for that saying that low-income wage earners have historically been targeted not because they account for the most tax underreporting, but because they are easy marks in an era when IRS increasingly relies upon correspondence audits, yet doesn't have the resources to assist taxpayers or answer their questions. The report comes as Republicans have said they'll repeal the Biden administration's push to hire 87,000 new IRS agents. The Inflation Reduction Act had set aside $80 billion in funding for hiring the new agents. Only around $3 billion was set aside for taxpayer services, with around $45 billion going for tax enforcement. The move was met with strong resistance from the GOP. In his first speech after being elected Speaker of the House, GOP Representative Kevin McCarthy said the first bill he wants to see passed is one to cut back funding for the new IRS agents. I know the night is late, but when we come back, our very first bill will repeal the funding for 87,000 new IRS. He said Republicans believe government should be to help people, not go after them. House Majority Leader Steve Scalise recently said there's legislation that's ready to go that Republicans will bring to the House floor during the first two weeks of 2023. It's not exactly clear yet when that will be done. A national election integrity watchdog group known as PILF is investigating what went wrong with voter registration drives in Colorado. This as 31,000 voter registration instruction cards were sent to foreign nationals living in the state. And today's Daniel Monahan has the report. 
The Colorado Secretary of State's office acknowledged the faulty mailing back in October. The registration information was sent out in the months leading up to the 2022 midterm elections. PILF says the Secretary of State's office blamed a data analytical error. To clear up the mistake, the Secretary of State's office sent a second mailing to non-citizens. It informed them that the first mailing had been sent in error. It also clarified voter eligibility requirements. Investigators say Colorado's contractual relationship with the Election Registration Information Center, or ERIC, needs to be examined. ERIC is a nonprofit organization offering voter roll services to 32 states. PILF asserts that ERIC played a significant role in the problems. Meanwhile, PILF has been embroiled in a year-long legal battle with Secretary of State Jenna Marie Griswold. They want to force her to make election roll maintenance records public. PILF investigators have made various requests to inspect and copy election roll documents. She has refused to oblige their requests, citing various legal exemptions. In August of 2021, PILF formally notified Griswold that she was in violation of federal law. This for failure to permit public inspection of Colorado state voter lists. PILF gave Griswold 90 days to cure the violation or face a lawsuit. The Colorado Secretary of State's office denied PILF's request again in late November 2021. A lawsuit was filed by PILF against Griswold on December 16, 2021 in the United States District Court for the District of Colorado. The case is still pending. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Arizona's Maricopa County is launching an investigation into the election day problems that occurred. Chairman Bill Gates says the probe will be an important step to get to the bottom of the printer issues that affected multiple voting centers. Voters across the county found their ballots couldn't be processed by machines in the 2022 midterm elections. That problem led to long lines at voting centers and workers having to tabulate the votes at a later date. At least 70 of the county's polling sites were affected, representing some 17,000 ballots. A cyber expert who examined ballots said he found 19-inch images printed on 20-inch paper, causing processing problems. The information was revealed during a trial held for a lawsuit brought by Kerry Lake. Republican Ben Sass has officially given up his chair in the Senate. The politician from Nebraska is taking on a new role as president of the University of Florida. Sass leaves the Senate a mere two years into his second term. This after the University of Florida Board of Trustees voted unanimously in November to appoint him president. Sass has had a frayed relationship with Republicans since his outspoken criticism of former President Donald Trump. He was one of seven Republican senators who voted to convict Trump in his second impeachment trial. That legal proceeding stemmed from the January 6th breach of the U.S. Capitol. President Biden visited the U.S.-Mexico border yesterday. He flew into El Paso, Texas, where he was greeted by Governor Greg Abbott. Abbott met Biden as he departed the plane and hand-delivered a letter to him. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more on Biden's first visit to the southern border since taking office. Abbott started his letter with, Your visit to our southern border with Mexico today is $20 billion too little and two years too late. His stern words for the president didn't end there. The Texas governor called the trip a photo op and a game of pretend in a carefully stage-managed version of El Paso. He says the city rushed to remove illegal immigrants and migrant camps crowding the downtown core ahead of the visit, and that his trip sidesteps the sites where mass illegal immigration occurs, as well as avoids the thousands of landowners whose lives he says were destroyed by Biden's border policies. Abbott told Biden it's because the administration wants to shield him from the chaos being endured by Texans every day. 
Biden's roughly four-hour visit was highly controlled. He encountered no migrants except about a dozen visible on the Mexican side. His visit did not include time at a border patrol station, where migrants who cross illegally are arrested and held before their release. He delivered no public remarks. Abbott said in his letter that the border crisis is a direct result of Biden's failure to enforce immigration laws enacted by Congress. He pointed out a stark contrast between Biden's administration and former President Trump's, saying during Trump's time in office, the federal government achieved historically low levels of illegal immigration. Now Abbott says the U.S. is suffering the worst illegal immigration in the history of the country, and that the current open border policies are emboldening the cartels, who grow rich off trafficking fentanyl and human beings. Abbott says all of this is happening because Biden is violating his constitutional obligation to defend the states against invasion through faithful execution of federal laws. He laid out five solutions to fix the problem, all of which are immigration laws already on the books. Abbott finished his letter by imploring the president to secure the border by enforcing Congress's immigration laws. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Abbott's solutions include the enforcement of Remain in Mexico and Title 42 and aggressive prosecution of illegal crossings between ports of entry. He also asked that Mexican drug cartels be designated as foreign terrorist organizations and construction of the border wall in Texas be continued. Biden announced last week an expanded list of nationalities that can be expelled back to Mexico. The administration's plan is to block migrants from Cuba, Nicaragua, and Haiti at the border. The administration also plans to let 30,000 migrants from those countries in Venezuela come to the U.S. legally per month. They will need to get a sponsor, pass background checks, and travel by plane. President Biden arrived in Mexico last night. He's there to attend the North America Summit today and tomorrow. He's meeting with Mexico's president and Canada's prime minister. In Seattle, the local school district is suing social media companies, including Meta and TikTok. They say the tech giants are causing the mental health crisis among teenagers. Seattle Public Schools said in the lawsuit, quote, defendants have successfully exploited the vulnerable brains of youth, hooking tens of millions of students across the country into positive feedback loops of excessive use and abuse of defendants' social media platforms. The school district accuses the tech giants of violating Washington state law on public nuisance. Spokespeople for Google and Meta say their platforms have tools to help protect teens online. Students could be using artificial intelligence to cheat on schoolwork. For just that reason, the New York City Department of Education recently blocked an AI service from its networks and devices. The bot is called ChatGPT. It's an AI chat box capable of mimicking human speech. It can also generate essays, technical documents, and poetry, and it's free. The program compiles historical facts and even makes logical arguments that sound convincing. It also ensures the output is grammatically correct. Now, if individual schools want to access the service to study its technology, they need to put in a request. Furman University assistant professor Darren Hick told the New York Post that academia has been blindsided by the technology. A student in his class already used it to fabricate an essay assignment. And coming up, the Chinese regime conducts another military drill near Taiwan. The island's government and a German delegation are condemning it. And national security concerns about Chinese espionage are raised in the UK. It comes after a hidden transmitter was found in a government vehicle. More in just a moment here on NTD News Today.
Welcome back. A former U.S. official who spied for Cuba has been released from prison early. She had spent 20 years behind bars for leaking information to the Cuban regime. Ana Montes is one of the highest-ranking U.S. officials ever proven to have spied for Cuba. The U.S. Bureau of Prisons confirmed on Friday that she has been released from prison early. Montes is a U.S. citizen of Puerto Rican descent. She was the top Cuba analyst at the Defense Intelligence Agency. In 2002, Montes pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit espionage. She was accused of using her position to leak information, including identities of some U.S. spies to the Cuban communist regime. She was sentenced to 25 years in prison. Now turning our attention to the Asia-Pacific region, the Chinese regime staged military drills near Taiwan on Sunday. Taiwanese authorities have condemned the drills. Taiwan's defense ministry said it had detected 57 Chinese military aircraft and four warships around Taiwan at 6 a.m. local time on Sunday. 28 of those aircraft entered Taiwan's air defense identification zone. Taiwan said it scrambled aircraft, naval vessels, and land-based missile systems to monitor China's activities. Taiwan strongly condemned the drills, and a delegation of German lawmakers visiting Taiwan also joined in. I also hope that international democratic allies can support Taiwan to fight against China's aggression and bullying, protect international peace and stability, and push for China's democratization together. That we support Taiwan when it comes to um, making it totally clear that military aggression and the threat of military aggression coming from Beijing is unacceptable. Um, And we want to uh, also that you see our visit here as a gesture of support. The German delegation of lawmakers arrived in Taiwan today. Their goal is to show support for the island's democracy amid military threats from China. During their four-day visit, German lawmakers will also meet with Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen and Premier Su Sung Chang. A statement from the Chinese military said the goal of the military drills was to counter what it called provocative actions by Taiwan and external forces. Beijing claims Taiwan as its own territory and has been threatening to take it under control by force. That's despite Taiwan having its own military, constitution and leaders. The communist regime has never ruled the island. The discovery of a hidden Chinese tracking device in a U.K. government car has sparked growing concerns over spyware. Intelligence officials found at least one SIM card capable of transmitting location data. The device was discovered by security officials in a routine search of government vehicles. According to sources, the location transmitter was found inside a sealed part of the vehicle. It was installed by the vehicle's manufacturer before being imported from China. The Chinese regime has dismissed allegations of espionage as unfounded rumors. The device's discovery has prompted the U.K. government to review urgently security threats coming out of China. Location transmitters can be placed into vehicles without the knowledge of manufacturers. According to security sources, the pre-installed SIMs in the electronic control units are sent to manufacturers as sealed units. The SIMs can be used by the Chinese regime for purposes of eavesdropping as well as tracking the location of government officials. Security officials have confirmed that sweeping routine checks have increased in recent months following concerns about increased Chinese espionage activity. Meanwhile, UK Conservative Member of Parliament Sir Ian Duncan Smith has stated that it's time to refer to China as a systemic threat. 
Japan's self-defense force paratroopers conducted joint military drills with U.S., British, and Australian troops on Sunday. The hour-long drill is held every year in January. About 1,000 troops participated from Japan's 1st Airborne Brigade, the country's only unit for parachute assaults. In addition to 70 U.S. Army soldiers, about 30 soldiers from the British and Australian Army also took part in the drill for the first time and jumped off transport aircrafts. After inspecting the drills, Japan's defense minister said the joint exercises demonstrate strong cooperation and ties with allies. He also said he hopes Japanese paratroopers will continue to conduct all kinds of military exercises and live up to the Japanese people's trust and expectations. Sunday's drill mobilized 20 transport aircraft, including the C-130 Hercules plane and the CH-47JA Chinook helicopter, as well as dozens of military vehicles. And still to come, Novak Djokovic returns to the Australian Open after being deported last year. Rafael Nadal will play despite last year's injuries. And a winter tradition returns after a three-year break due to the pandemic. South Korea's annual ice fishing festival made an impressive comeback over the weekend. Stay tuned for more right after the break. Cuba is allowing baseball players who fled the country back on its national team. That includes some players on major league teams in the U.S. It's an unprecedented move. For decades, Cuba has excluded baseball players who left the island, but the communist country may be running out of options. Local media reports that more than 650 baseball players have left the country in the past six years. This new-style Cuban national team is set to play in the upcoming World Baseball Classic in March. The preliminary roster of 50 ballplayers includes 12 who live abroad, another 16 who are contracted under the Cuban Federation, and 22 who play in Cuba's domestic league. With one week to go until the start of the Australian Open, players are gearing up for the first Grand Slam of 2023. Tennis veterans will vie for records while newer players hope to seize glory. Novak Djokovic is back in Australia after being deported last year due to his vaccination status. He will be looking to pick up where he left off and build on his Australian Open title from 2021. The Serbian needs just one more Grand Slam trophy to equal the men's record for the most titles. The current men's record is held by last year's Australian Open champion Rafael Nadal. Nadal will return to competition despite multiple injuries in 2022. Current world number one Carlos Alcaraz will be missing because of a leg muscle injury during preseason training. In the women's draw, world number one Iga Swiatek will be looking to win her fourth Grand Slam title and add to French Open and U.S. Open trophies she took home in 2022. Last year's women's Australian Open winner Ash Barty has since retired. The tournament starts January 16th and goes until January 29th. In South Korea, a winter celebration is underway. The annual ice fishing festival has made a comeback. After a three-year break due to the pandemic, South Korea's annual ice fishing festival made an impressive return on Saturday. About 129,000 people braved below freezing temperatures for a chance to catch trout on a frozen lake. The festival was held in a city 75 miles north of capital Seoul. Some participants dig a small hole through the thick ice on the frozen lake to catch the fish. Others choose to jump into a pool of freezing water to catch the fish with their bare hands. 
Police officers, medical and disaster response teams were mobilized to ensure the safety of the participants. The festival kicked off on Saturday and will continue until January 29th. Mindfulness and meditation can significantly lower stress levels. This may explain why they can also help to control your blood sugar. Here's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body. New research has found that mindfulness activities like yoga or meditation may help people with type 2 diabetes. It does this by lowering their blood sugar levels. More than 37 million people have diabetes and the vast majority have type 2. The condition develops when the body loses its ability to process insulin. This is a hormone that carries sugar from blood into the body's cells for energy. When that happens, sugar builds up in the bloodstream. This can damage blood vessels and nerves over time. Many people with diabetes also develop complications. Examples include heart disease, kidney failure, nerve damage in the feet and legs, and potential blindness. The key to controlling blood sugar levels is by eating a healthy diet. The diet needs to be high in whole foods and low in processed foods. This can minimize the risks. Researchers looked at 28 published clinical trials that tested various practices, most focused on yoga. Yoga combines physical postures with breathing techniques and meditation. Other trials looked at qigong, guided imagery or meditation. They also looked at mindfulness-based stress reduction. They found that each practice helped people with type 2 diabetes lower their hemoglobin A1c level. Mindfulness may help because it can reduce stress, making diabetes easier to manage. A dip in stress hormones may also help to reduce systemic inflammation. This may help to bring down blood sugar levels. Stress can also trigger poor eating habits. So meditation and a whole food diet is your solution to health and longevity. That's all for today's program. We're really glad to have you with us. Please send us an email if you'd like to tell us something. We're going to put it on screen. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.